Hello and welcome to One Star Bazaar, where we review the movies critics hated in search of the unfairly underrated. In honor of the 4th of July, we're tackling our second sequel of the season and reviewing Independence Day Resurgence. Yeah! Independence Day, the original, blew critics and audiences away in 1996. Let's see how this new chapter fares 20 years later. Independence Day Resurgence is directed by Roland Emmerich, no stranger so, to our podcast. Also the director of the original. <laughs> yes. Written by Nicholas Wright, James A. Woods, Dean Devlin, Roland Emmerich, Jamie Vanderbilt, and James Vanderbilt, which I'm assuming are the same person credited twice. Or possibly just... Twins! Uh, twins named James and so Jamie. Dean Devlin is a frequent collaborator with Roland Emmerich. What, what, they did Stargate together. What was it that we watched on the podcast? We watched Universal Soldier. Universal Soldier, that's right. he directed. Uh-huh. So they've been around. They've done some big blockbuster movies that some have been okay, some have not been okay. This was released in theaters June 24th, 2016. So basically 20, 20 years, years to the day yeah. of the first one. Stars Bill Pullman, Jeff Goldblum, Liam Hemsworth, and Micah Monroe. Micah? So, there's one very glaringly obvious absence in that cast list. Um, Will Smith is not in this movie. Yeah. Right? Okay. No. So, he's the major not. non-returning actor. Correct. This movie has a 29% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 32% on Metacritic. Solidly one star by our standards. And basically a similar score, which usually there's a bigger spread between those two. So this movie can be described with the following synopsis. We always knew they were coming back. Using recovered alien technology, the nations of Earth have collaborated on an immense defense program to protect the planet. Protect the planet! But nothing can prepare us for the aliens' advanced and unprecedented force. They didn't have an advanced... Whatever. Only the ingenuity of a few brave men and women can bring our world back from the brink of extinction. So literally the exact same movie as the first one. Pretty much. Okay, except this time we're ready for them. and We have some sort of planetary defense cannon. Yes. So I have seen this movie. And I have not. You have not. Because I didn't want to, because it was bad. I knew it would be bad. We can't say for sure that it's bad. We We, have not watched it. We will say for sure that it's bad soon. (laughs) We will see So in terms of reviews, we have Dan Jolin of Empire said, As spectacular as you'd hope from a sequel to the 1996 Planet Toaster, and as amusingly cheesy, you'll enjoy yourself enough that you won't even miss Will Smith. High praise. (laughs) Kenneth Turin of the Los Angeles Times said, Both impossible to take seriously or seriously dislike. And Molly Eichel from the Philadelphia Inquirer said, While the plot is dumb and the script is worse, watching aliens explode in spectacular fashion isn't the worst excuse to spend two hours in air conditioning. So I feel like those reviews, all of them, were kind of able to find something redeeming in this movie. I think this goes once again to the idea that big spectacle blockbuster movies... We tend to be more forgiving of them because there is... You don't expect much. You just want to be entertained. You just want to sit there and shove popcorn in your face. Yeah, I feel like we're, just, this is shaping up to be quite the popcorn this, flick. That's basically what this <laughs> is going to end up being, probably. Big summer blockbusters, not typically critically well-received. 
We're gonna go ahead and stream this on FX, which means it is probably edited. It may or may not be some sort of special extended edition. We don't know. There's. I'm sure that we'll get the. Because I stream, we streamed Ghostbusters, the 2016 version, on this on FX, and it has scenes I've never seen before. So I think they sometimes do put on like an extended edition or something. Um, And then joining us later for the review, we are going to have a special guest from the podcast Cinemusts. So he will join, he or she, I don't actually know, will join us later for that. All right. So now that we have streamed ID4, no, that's not, that's the first one. Independence Day Resurgent. ID4-2. Um, correction, no longer on FX, so we did rent it. We paid $4 to watch this movie, which kind of hurt, because we try not to spend money on these, these We spend enough money, because we have, yeah. like, five different subscription services. We do! We have so many, and it wasn't on any of them, so we're sad. But, we are happy, because joining us in studio, in studio today, we have a super special guest, Mike from Cinemus. A podcast with much higher standards than ours. Oh, thanks, guys. <laughs> different, different approaches. Do you generally watch good movies? Oh, they do. <sighs> yes. Okay, so then definitely <laughs> different approaches. So I'm familiar with you guys, but tell Jonathan a little bit about cinemas. Well, Jonathan, so what we're doing, we talk about good movies a lot because what we're doing is trying to get at what are the true must-see movies out there. Okay. So the way we approach that... We'll put together a double feature of two movies that are featured in the book, A Thousand and One Movies You Have to See Before You Die. Which I'm pretty sure actually was a book I had to read in college. Wow. <laughs> it's, it's really great for like, uh, you don't know what to watch, like, what are like the things that you've missed out on, what's on your list of shame. Like, it, it was a big help for me mm-hmm. when I was first trying to get into movies hardcore. Um, so yeah, we built a show around it. We take two movies that got something in common, we put them together, and then we debate if we feel that they deserve to be considered movies absolutely everybody has to see. We have a very own special rating system where, we, where we'll rate them either cinemusts, cinetrusts, or cinebusts, which is based on if they're for everybody, if you'd recommend them to only a certain group of people, or if you'd recommend them to nobody. And so, um, that's where our movies will. Right, yeah. <laughs> so so most, of the, the, most of the movies you guys talk about would probably be cinebusts. Um, and I, I've given out very few cinebusts in the show's uh, year and a half, so usually good movies, yeah. At the same time, you're basically coming from a list that probably is not going to feature very many bad movies. Very heavily stacked, but we also go after ones that we consider um, sometimes overrated. And the the thing is, is we are keeping this list of movies that are voted must-see movies, but uh, the hosts on the show aren't the ones deciding that. It's up to the people who are listening to vote for those. So on our website, cinemas.com, every two weeks we drop a new show, and people have two weeks to watch the movies or rewatch them. They cast their vote for which of those categories they belong in, and then we lock those results in, and listeners decide if they're going to make that list or not. So I will say, one of the movies that is featured in the book, or that you guys have done an episode on, is Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. Yes, which is actually not featured in the book, because to kind of keep us out of being too gridlocked sometimes, we open it up to films that aren't in the book that some might consider, hey, should they deserve a shot at this must-see list? That was our... Good friend Max Barilla at the Classic Movie Must Pod, also running a classic movie-oriented podcast, and he decided, uh, hey, I talk about old movies a lot. Mike, you talk about old movies a lot. What if we did a show where we talked about these Ventura movies? And uh, it's a really fun episode, but neither of them 
were voted must-see movies. <laughs> <laughs> that is a little bit of a crossover, because I do believe uh, both of those sequels, or both of those movies from the franchise are one-star movies by our standards. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was a big fan. Max kind of talked me into enjoying the first one a little, uh, not so much when nature calls, but yeah, that one broke format for us a little. We like to do that from time to time, just so it's not constantly every week is like classic, big, epic, yeah. uh, legendary movies. However, one movie that your listeners did vote as a must is the original Independence Day. Yes. This one, though, <laughs> definitely not even close, I'm sure. <laughs> I agree. Um, so it's pretty fresh in our minds. Let's go ahead and talk about the acting. Were there any kind of standout things for you? Maybe someone was too over the top or maybe wasn't quite believable in their character? Jonathan? Okay, so I was thinking about this today and it occurred to me that Liam Hemsworth is basically Will Smith. Yeah. We talked about how Will Smith is not in this movie. We did. He's like kind of the, he's the one <laughs> non-holdover from the original movie. But we have this other guy who basically plays the same character in every movie I've ever seen him in. He's always the kind of brooding, brash, cocky, young stud who is kind of a jerk, but you're supposed to like him, I guess. I mean, right? Yeah. Pretty much, like, yeah. I feel like he kind of has that in Hunger Games, even though he's not really front and center as a character, but he still is that archetype. Yeah. And, I mean, he's always... In every other movie I've seen him in, which is not really that many good movies, I have, I mean... Yeah. He was in that movie with The Rock, Empire, I think, right? Empire, which we, which, we were surprised went, like, straight to video. <laughs> Did the Rock, no. Oh. I wasn't surprised at all. The Rock was in that movie <laughs> for five minutes. It was like, oh, yeah, starring Liam Hemsworth and, you know, Dwayne Johnson. And it's like, what? It's that like, was... It's like an armored car heist movie, or like a vault heist movie. It's like a weird... It's one of those movies where you go, wow, this is based on a true story. That's not really a story that needed to have its story told with, you know, in cinematic yeah, format. Jonathan has a big problem with some <laughs> based there's on a lot true of, story. Well, there's a lot of movies. And we did Billionaire Boys Club He's in like, our last season. He's like, this did not need to be a movie. That was the same issue. Yeah. You know, you have movies... Anyway, that's a tangent. That's fine. <laughs> the point is, Liam Hemsworth, I don't even know if he's not a good actor. Kind of like Will Smith. Like, I don't think anybody back in the 90s would... They're like, I don't know, is Will Smith a good actor? He kind of plays the same character in a lot of his movies. Obviously, he went on later to have more transformative roles, and I thought his um, his acting in Ali was, you know, probably the highlight of his career. I think that's a really great movie that he's in. So, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not trashing Liam Hemsworth. I'm not saying he can't act. I'm not saying he won't go anywhere. But it also occurred to me, like, Chris Hemsworth, I've only ever seen him as Thor. Like... Has he been in other movies? He was in that, that flop, like, Black, Black Hat, Hat, I yeah. think. Which, I'm just guessing, same kind of and, character. And, oh, Liam Hemsworth was in that movie where, oh my gosh, we watched it. He's, like, the fiancé or boyfriend of some chick and, like, gets a job with his dad and then, or her dad, and then it turns out to be some sort of big scam. Do you remember? Was that the one with Harrison Ford? I think it was the one with Harrison Ford. Where, like, and Gary Oldman were, like tycoons trying to screw each other yes it's like it's like yeah, yeah like that the, also was like one, a direct to streaming terrible i don't even remember corporate that espionage yeah yeah something <laughs> what do you think mike so acting wise i think a big problem with this movie is no one you're asking if people are going over the top i don't think anyone meets like the mid line <laughs> no I think, one tried <laughs> i think most everybody here is either like completely uncharismatic or they're just bored out of their mind that they have to be there. Uh, case in point, Jeff Goldblum, who I would consider is a big draw for this movie that you're yeah. getting 
somebody from the original Independence Day to come back. You know, we can't get Will Smith back, but here's Jeff Goldblum. But he's not even really playing David Levinson. He's kind of just Jeff Goldblum he, doing his thing on the set. Yeah, he's yeah. like David Levinson forced to grow up and be less kind of weird. <laughs> I mean, and that kind of is his character, but I can definitely I see how that's I think he's more weird, weird than, than he is in the okay. original Independence Day. I at least get a feel for him in the original. He's just I, loser MIT dropout. You know, has these hippie illusions of saving the world through recycling and finally gets to see his value realized. He can crack the alien code. He can save the world for real. And, and now for some reason he's like in charge of the UN task force. <laughs> right. <or whatever. laughs> like maybe you could spin that, that he maybe put some thought into his performance and that in the 20 years since he's been the leading alien expert on the planet. So it's gone to his head a little, but I, I don't know. I still don't see it. I still just think it's him just being Goldblum and cash and paycheck. Yeah. So, back to what you guys were saying about the, um, he's now, like, the leading alien expert and in charge of whatever the heck. Um, I don't know if it's that it doesn't make sense. It's just that it is definitely jarring, because he's kind of not the same. Well, I mean, it's 20 years later. Like, who's the same person 20 years later? (laughs) But you would I mean, the position makes sense, but, you know, where's the guy who wanted to save the world? Or, like who spent a lot of time with his dad. You know, it's a, a big thing this movie makes a deal out of, is that Judd Hirsch has to cross the country in a school bus full of children to finally see his son again. And it's like, yeah. they, they were best friends before the invasion happened, and then in the first one, like, they really bond over it. They have some really nice moments together, and now all of a sudden, it's like, my son doesn't have time for me. I was almost surprised when Judd Hirsch randomly showed up, like, halfway through the movie. Because I just said, <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, he's old. Exactly. He probably died. It's 20 years later. And then all of a sudden, Hirsch. he's like, oh, I'm out here on my boat. Oh, crap, there's a giant tidal wave, you know, destroying everything from the ship. And dude looks good. Yeah. He does. I mean, he's like 84 or something yeah. now. So. He pretty much looks the same. Like, I haven't yeah. looked at it side by exactly. side, but it's not like a jarring age difference. Right. Well, and so to your point, though, when you said, you know, all people change in 20 years, there's a big difference between a 20-year-old becoming a corporate 40-year-old sellout, you know, to right. his to his hippie college age, you know, viewed self versus like a 45-year-old now becoming a 65-year-old. Was there's not as big of a change. One? I feel like he probably was like... Well, he's that old now. He's like 64 or 5. He's pretty old now. So, I mean, he was like 40-something, and now he's 60-something. So how about the rest of the story, though? Like, I feel like they didn't necessarily do a fantastic job of, like, doing exposition of, like, oh, we've stolen all this alien technology, and now we're awesome? Like, where, where did that come from? This movie basically struck me as... This is like... Somebody took a fan fiction of Independence Day <laughs> and said, let's make that a sequel. That's honestly what it seems like. It's ridiculous. It doesn't have the same tone because it's like, oh, yeah, now we have all this technology. And, oh, we're going to, you know, the aliens come back. And for some reason, we have to do the. And we always you know, knew they were coming back. We always have to do the aliens thing where now there's a huge queen to up the ante, you know, so that the aliens seem more crazy and powerful. And. It's just so over the top. And there were so many characters in this movie. I don't understand why they couldn't have streamlined and why some was, of like, these the roles. And why was, like, the French chick there? Was she French? Charlie Gainsbourg? Is that her name? Uh, Jeff Goldblum's love interest? Yeah. Yeah. Like, why was she there? Why? No, Great I question. know. <laughs> why was she there? Why did we have the African warlord dude? Why did we okay. have... He was awesome. Okay, he was That's awesome. That's why he was there. I'm not saying he He's wasn't awesome. Wasted. But, yeah, Exactly. <laughs> 
Why did we have the John Oliver looking accountant following him around being all like, oh, I want to be a badass be fair, like you. you laughed at his lines. I mean, I'm call you out. Okay, fine. <laughs> you thought he was funny. And, but, I, and I skewed yeah, a hinge for Because him. I kept basically... <laughs> I was basically like, yeah, you go, John Oliver. Like, way to step up and kill some okay, aliens. Okay, here's my question. So, we've watched a couple movies now that are sequels okay. that have the same director and the same writers. We had it with Highlander, The Quickening. We had it with Super Troopers. And now we have it with Independence Day 2. Okay. How does, do they go so wrong? Like they, yes. Um, My, so. <laughs> tagging it. <laughs> the, the big problem here is if you look at the, the team of Roland Emmerich and Dean Devlin, they haven't done anything good since the first Independence Day. Um, and I talked on, on the Cinemas episode about Independence Day, it was a big fight, um, but it was a lot of fun. I, I love the first Independence Day, so I went to bat for it. I think that that movie is kind of an accidental masterpiece. Yeah. <laughs> that, a, that a lot of it is is very cynically designed to be a, a feel. They designed it to be a hit, so it plays into so much jingoism and patriotism, and it hits all the right beats. But they they somehow got like the right cast. They gave them enough character moments. They've never touched it since. They immediately go into the '98 Godzilla, which is a, Piece of shit. Am I allowed to swear? No. Which is a piece of garbage. Which is a piece of garbage. Um, and and from there, like, you know, day after tomorrow is fine. But like White House Down, twenty twelve. Like, <gasps> how dare you besmirch White House <laughs> they're, Down? They're so. They're just really bad. So these guys, like, they couldn't repeat their own success, like, right out of the gate. And you give them twenty years. Yeah. I. It just doesn't feel like they so, had a good idea. Because I want to point to something okay. you said about you know the aliens queen and everything's bigger that's this sequel's sole purpose is like what if everything was just bigger and stakes were higher but they don't do anything to flesh yeah. any of those ideas like, out it's literally just, the ship is bigger it's just a size of a quarter of the earth and it's a ridiculous visual it's literally like they looked at the recipe of how to write a sequel and followed it to a T, right? They're like, okay, take all this stuff, make this bigger, make this, you know, more pronounced, etc. So one thing that some of the critic reviews we read... Pause a second, because okay. I don't... That's... We're still talking about this. Okay. <laughs> I'm curious. I'd like to point out, first of all, between the two of them, because they both have directed films, mm -hmm. Roland Emmerich is by far the better director. Right, true. Dean Devlin, who has directed some films... Like what? Like, what did he uh, direct? Universal Soldier... Oh, right. Which we watched. You watched on this year. podcast. And he's, you know, written and produced a lot. And so he kind of has taken more of the, oh, I'm going to be the producer to Roland Emmerich's director job, right? And they've had a lot of, I don't want to say hits. They've had a lot of blockbuster films. Right. A lot of they've commercial been success. success. They've been, yeah. uh, yes, they have. How do you feel about Stargate? So I like Stargate. And I that, love Stargate. But no, that's pre- No, I know. That's the thing. <laughs> exactly. And so you can make the argument successfully they haven't done anything good since independence day because their other major smash hit was stargate which i would argue is their probably most successful film mainly because it kind of accidentally spawned this huge franchise which at this point 25 years later i made this point when we watched universal soldier and i was surprised to be like holy crap those, those guys stargate was a weird movie but it was kind of cool and it was definitely it was you know a cool sci-fi film with a cool idea and the science in it made sense in a weird way. Like we don't understand how interdimensional, whatever, you know, travel would work. And so you can kind of have the, it's magic and it works. Whereas 
other science fiction films get really dated because you're like, oh, you know, this is like, uh, like, like Universal Action? Soldier. Universal Soldier was like, oh, we basically we oh, we overclocked their bodies. I don't know if you've seen it, I but that's kind of that's the idea. Is the the super soldiers get super hot, like their body temperature goes way up, way up, and they need to cool down with ice and stuff because their bodies are overclocked, mm -hmm. and that's how they have the extreme strength and adrenaline to do all this stuff, which is ridiculous. It's like that's not how stuff works. <laughs> so some sci-fi gets you look back on it and you're like, that's horrible because that the science is bad. Stargate just works because you're like, well, yeah, I mean, okay, interdimensional travel, like, yeah, it's basically a magic portal to another world. That's fine because. We're not going to, in 20 years, have interdimensional travel and go, this is so ridiculous, like a giant stone ring? Are you kidding me? <laughs> but anyway, my point is, Stargate is, un is, is, at this point, what, like two or three TV shows? I mean, it's up yeah, there with, bunch. like, Star Trek. Yeah. And, you know, other kind of, I mean, Battlestar Galactica. Like, it's that level of kind of nerd universe, you know, fandom... fandom Mythos, you know, so it, yeah, anyway, so that's my long way of saying it's their most successful film. Independence Day is obviously their other most successful film, mm -hmm. and they kind of, I mean, Day After Tomorrow was okay. A lot of people no, like that yeah, one. Yeah, it's, it's fine, like, it's the closest they've they, come. And they definitely just have, you know, I think they've realized we, we make, we have success by just, like, blowing stuff up and, you know, having giant disasters yeah, that's threaten why everything. Michael Bay has such a great career. You know, that's the thing I thought during the film. How come everybody dumps on Michael Bay and says he's a hack because all he knows how to do is, like, direct giant explosion action films? And nobody's ever like, oh, Roland Emmerich, you know? I, I, have, a, I, have, a theory, I have a theory about this because <laughs> okay. I agree with you. <laughs> this, this just brings it full circle. I'm going to beat this into the ground. I think the reason no one makes that connection is Michael Bay doesn't have a movie that's as good as Independence Day. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think Roland Emmerich fair. has been coasting off of that, that for fair. 20 years. <laughs> that makes sense. So despite the movie's flaws like in the story and maybe the phoned-in acting, I still felt like it was pretty engaging. What did you guys think? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Clocked out. Not into it. So to combine this with our other question that we're going to ask at the end, like, I don't hate the fact that I watched this film, but this film was completely useless to me. Like, it was, <laughs> it was just stupid. I didn't hate it. Like, it wasn't so stupid that I was like, oh my gosh, how dare they, Arr. you know, I'm not going to get on, you know, Reddit forums and, you know, talk about how they destroyed my childhood because Independence Day is this, you know, Although people did say math. that. I'm sure they did. Although that's kind of weird, because it's not like Independence Day was at the same level as like Star Wars, mm. but or Indiana Jones or whatever, you know, yeah. other movies that have kind of had that same thing. Fair. But I definitely don't ever care to watch this movie again. If it's on cable, I'm never, I'm never gonna be like, oh yeah, Independence Day Resurgence. Oh yeah, okay. No, like again, the science was dumb. I didn't. I especially, I really hated the end, the very end where they're like. They want us to join the resistance and lead them and like we're, you know, and it's funny, you mentioned how the original is very, the jingoism and the patriotism and kind of America standing in, you know, as the placeholder for, we, for we planet Earth. lead the world even when half of it is on fire. And that's basically <laughs> what they're doing is this is basically America, except it's the human race standing in, but we all kind of know the, the thematic there is America, you know, can you come in and save the day and lead our, you know, teach our resistance fighters how to fight? 
And it's like, oh, yes, you know, the, the I mean, it's World War kind of concept of, well, now that the Americans are here, let's rush in and save the day. Dun, 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 you know, done. I was also super confused how if they had this world government, why every country still had their own flag and like there wasn't a world flag anywhere. Well, we have states. Yeah, but like, I don't know. It just seemed weird to me. Just I mean, like, it was definitely like still very much like of... the UN Security Council countries, you know, the, the G8 or whatever. Yeah. Were still the, you know, ones that ruled the world. It's almost like this movie has a lot of little ideas like that that seem cool at first. <laughs> and then they do absolutely nothing with it beyond exactly mentioning right. that it's a thing. True. Very true. <laughs> um, can I change my answer to whether or not this is engaging? Yes. Because I think I might have to say yes. But in the wrong way, because I can't, I find it engaging because I just can't help myself from rewriting it and redirecting it in my head while it's happening. Yeah. So I am engaging with it, just... You're trying to fix it while re, it's Yeah, reimagining, <laughs> like, well, this could be something. What if you did this with it instead? And what if you didn't shoot this like this? What if it, you know... One of the problems I had with it, too, like, while we were watching it, I, I was commenting about, like, the CGI... Like, it looked terrible in some of the scenes. Like, I really missed kind of the, the practical, like, miniature mm -hmm. effects they used in the first one. Mm -hmm. And relying so much more on, you know, using that computer animation, I really feel, like, made it look so much worse. <laughs> yeah. If there were a lot of things you wanted to correct with this movie, do you think there's anything it did well? <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Let me think. Let me oh, rack my brain. <laughs> You know, one, one of the things I enjoyed was highlighting um, Brent Spinner's character. Brent Spiner. Whatever. Brent Spiner. I'm not a Trekkie. Brent Spiner. Uh -huh. um, I really enjoyed his scenes. Like, I thought he kind of brought a lot to it. In the first movie, he was just kind of this, like, super weirdo. He was really you're crazy just like, weird this is in insane. Yeah. But I thought he had, like, more of a fun crazy in this movie. And then kind of the the, you know, unspoken but spoken relationship between him and his friend, partner, whatever you want to call it. Um, I thought it was pretty sweet. I liked it. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. He definitely wasn't phoning it in. Probably. Yeah, I feel like he was on point he with was that trying one. To, you know, with did that what character. he could with what he had. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sure. Well, one of the problems we have with sequels sometimes is, you know, they really don't have to, you know, they're not inventing anything new. All they really have to do is be similar to who they were in the first movie. And I feel like he kind of went above and beyond with this one. Sometimes that's Gold to Bloom a, phoned it right. Sometimes <laughs> that's, that's that's to a fault where they're literally like, we only have to do yeah. what we did in the first movie. And it's like, no, that's not you know. Oh, like Twenty Two Jump Street. Oh. Where they're like, do the same thing you did before. Like that's all you have to do. It's not hard. And. Ultimately, the whole point of that kind of theme in that movie is that it doesn't work that way in life. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think that's kind of the thing here is you can't just do the exact same thing. You can't just, you know, but bigger, you know, yeah. oh, and there's a queen because of course there's a queen. And you can't have the aliens all have to be like bees <laughs> with the pseudo fiance okay. and the suicide mission. <laughs> Let me go. With the cookie dad. Oh my gosh, it's exactly the same. Let me go back. Let me go back. Step back I didn't here. even realize that. Did you realize that? Who's the... Oh. The cookie dad is goes on a suicide mission yeah. in both movies. And it's, in this time, it's the president uh, or whatever. Yeah. I did notice that. that. 
So except remember in the first movie how it like mattered? Yeah. That that sacrificed <laughs> himself. It like did something. That's right. true. <laughs> but now, the he learned they learned about the shields because of his sacrifice. That's good. That's yeah. That was kind of weird. Like oh, <laughs> we have to successfully put a bomb in there, and then they do, and then the queen's like, yeah, I'm still alive. Like <laughs> that was that was pointless. <laughs> like okay, great. Well, they can't do the same thing. I guess thing they got her, they got her to come out of the ship. That yeah. was good. So how to re how to make this movie better? Many yeah. ways, I'm sure. <laughs> First of all, too many characters. Yes. Okay. Combine down. some characters. Why and and too many characters doing too many things. The president's daughter, who it's funny we pointed out. Um, everybody, I guess, when this movie came out was not everybody, but uh, some people had pointed out. There's a big movement on Twitter that people were that she was mis or yeah recast. Because Mae Whitman, who was the daughter in the original movie, and is still an actress, is a leading actress. Yes, very well. Yeah, <laughs> and, and for anybody who's wondering who she is, she was in Arrested Development as her, her? and yeah. also she's in The Duff. So she's been—I mean, she's younger. She's, she's in great her 20s in The now. Duff. If you have not seen it, watch it. And I mean, it, it's kind of just sexist because they're basically like, "Oh no, we probably just need someone hotter," yeah. and because it has to be the love interest of Liam Hemsworth. Which why? Why? Why does she have to be defined as, oh, it's, you know, the president's daughter and Liam Hemsworth's girlfriend? And also... Everybody in this movie has to have some connection yeah. to somebody in the original. What really irked me about her is she is like an intern or whatever for the president. Seems who's like a she's woman. a speechwriter. Okay, she's on the president's staff. But also, I didn't even realize this until I started talking about it halfway through the movie. I don't know if it was mentioned earlier on. She's also an Air Force... Like a so Air Force pilot. There's like one her dad. exposition scene where she's talking to Bill Pullman, and he mentions that she had to give up flying to care for him yeah, because he okay. went cuckoo pants. That's terrible. I know. She should have just I'm been not a, saying it's bad. She should have just been a pilot I'm the entire movie, <laughs> right? Yeah, she should have just. She should have just been a pilot the entire movie. She should have. She could have been, you know. Oh, I just came back from the moon, and here I am greeting my dad. You know, maybe she's coming from the moon because her dad had like, a bad episode, and she's like, oh, "I need to go check on him." Will Smith's son as the the two like buddy pilots. Yeah. Liam Hemsworth's character—he's a garbage a, man in this movie. He's just irrelevant. Why even have him? Other than we need some hot young stud, whatever. You know. Yeah. Okay. Then just have what's the name, Dylan? Yeah. Just have Dylan's character be that. Get somebody else to play him if this guy's not famous enough. Which he was fine. He was fine. Yeah. And he's, you know, an attractive dude. But, like, if they need it, we need to start. Okay, fine. There's got to be somebody, you know, who can play that. I mean, they again, they didn't use the same actor as before. Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Why not have Michael B. Jordan be that character? Because he has taste. I mean, he already get. He's already used to playing the sons of famous black characters from very from popular blockbuster <laughs> movies. Yes, so why not? You know, and with, he has his share of flops with uh, Fantastic Four. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, anything you'd like to add so, to make this movie? So the better? question is, what's good about the movie, or like, no, how, how, how would you make this movie better? So I wanted to know what you thought was good about the movie. And, and then there's Jonathan nothing. went off into this crazy oh. tangent about the only way it could be good. There's nothing. Okay. There's nothing to, good. To answer the question, there's a lot of stuff that's not inherently horrible, but it's just blah. Yeah. Right. So, so that's my approach is like, I don't know if there's anything really good in the movie, but there's a lot of things that have potential. Yeah. The idea that 
we've incorporated alien technology that our encounter in the War of 96 has, like, drastically shaped the world. Cool idea. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned it. We have a united world government. We mm -hmm. haven't had a world war in 20 years. There's... That's a cool idea. Interject for one second really quick. At the beginning, it struck me that, again, kind of going off on that, I was like, wow, you know, the cool thing about this is they, all, they have all their world building kind of done for them. And so they can just go from there. You're not going to go into this going, well, I need 30 minutes to figure out what's going on in this in this futuristic Earth. No, you just the first movie, you know that? Okay, yeah. Okay, well, you know, now we have that technology. But they do have go. that voiceover thing in the beginning that you hate. When they do, like, all the yeah. voiceover exposition in, like, the first two minutes that's, of the movie. That's this whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, here's two sentences to explain. Can you believe you've been in a coma for whatever? <laughs> right. He counts it in days. Which is how you missed the... Apparently. She's a fighter pilot. Yeah. Because yeah. literally two hey, sentences. Hey, since your dad died test piloting an <laughs> experimental craft, how do you feel about <laughs> taking up out of a hangar that's named after him? <laughs> right. Wait, was that in the movie? That's, yes! That's in the movie. How did I miss that? They explained why Will Smith wasn't there. No, I, just, yeah. I just saw his picture hanging on the wall, and they were like, your dad was a hero. And I was like, okay, well, he's dead. Like, that it doesn't it doesn't matter how he died. No, like, people want Everybody know. knows he's a war hero, and he's one of the most famous people from the, you know, the war. I mean, he's he is the war hero from that war. Yeah. With the aliens. So how would you anyway, build on that? Go ahead. <laughs> The well, hang on, a couple more ideas, because the idea that after the mothership went down, there were a couple of, like, alien stragglers, and this African warlord had a land war with them. Yeah, cool, for years. Cool idea. We had to round up these people and imprison them. No, why couldn't that be half <laughs> yeah. the movie? That should have been the second you know, movie, and then the, the apparently they planned a third movie that died because this right. movie was so bad. Because it ends like a, the worst parody yes. of a 70s you know sitcom. What, you know what yes. this is? It's like when people got super mad when the third or the second set of trilogies came out with Star Wars and we missed the whole Clone War thing. Like, this movie skips over the good part about the war yeah. with the aliens right. and the world government and whatever. That would have been much cooler to see. So that's the thing. And, and then this maybe goes back to story, but, like, my problem with it is if you look at it in this, like, three-act structure that they had in mind for this trilogy. You have the first movie, we make contact, aliens blow the crap out of us, we fight back, American Resolve. This movie seems to want to go bigger, better... They beat us even worse. We still manage to push them back. But Jeff Goldblum has this line of like, I don't think the planet can withstand another attack. So now we have to take the fight to them. Yeah, okay, if you say so. I'm not a geologist, but the fact that they were like 10 feet from the molten core of the Earth isn't going to have... There's like a giant yeah. hole right. halfway <laughs> through the Earth. Like so it's going to fill up with water like, now? Is like, the how's entire that ocean just in there well, the man So the mantle is liquid or at least that there's, there's the mantle, a tiny right? bit of liquid mantle which is why we have earthquakes okay. and whatever so the top part of the mantle is liquid like, yeah and then the bottom part and then is it's crust. rock and then it's so presumably what would happen is molten, some yeah. of the liquid part would fill in the, yeah. the hole and i don't know kind of we need a geologist itself. we had a you know we had a Roman and Greek history professor talked to us about Pompeii. We should have what we need is to go read a Reddit post where some geologist explains <laughs> about one paragraph on what would it do, and that is all we need. Um, but anyways, like to, to to fix this stuff. I mean, flesh out any of those things we've been talking about. <laughs> but also, like this movie needs to just slow down and get smaller. Because yeah. if they want to go with this trilogy that didn't work out, like that's cool. Like. 
But if this has to be like the second, the Empire Strikes Back, the dark act where like crap gets real, we've got to care about people, which having less of them would help, and yes. having characters we can Goldberg's actually French get on board with. Or whatever. Cut her out. Yeah. British but also, British. like, when they show up, the aliens get rid of our defenses in 10 seconds, and it's like a joke. I think it's yeah. supposed to be the sequence <laughs> that makes you feel like, oh my gosh, like there's so much more superpower than we could have imagined. We're in real trouble. And, you know, when they blow out, like, our entire satellite defense gun system, it's a freaking yeah. joke because it is gone in a blip. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, and the other thing is, we essentially only win in this fight because of the deus ex machina of this, you know, first contact resistance, you know, alien ship coming to us and saying, oh, you know, we're your friends. And what, you know, we, a lot of us have been destroyed by these aliens. We need to all band together. And, you know, they, obviously they don't end up using any of the technology that this alien brings, but they do end up using it as a decoy because yeah. you know to get what they need. I mean, it wouldn't have worked without that shit. Sure. You know, they're not going to also like the civilization somehow uploaded their brains. <laughs> yeah. Like they're not even people anymore. They're like a collective conscious. Like I mean, that happens in sci-fi. Yeah, but like It's like a Doctor Who episode what? like that. Why? <laughs> I yeah. Makes it really hard to feel for it when it's like my entire race has been the victim of genocide. I, mean, I will say one of the best things about, like, the video game Portal is the little AI thing, GLaDOS. Mm -hmm. And, like, I guess they could have tried that with this. Like, make it, like, a like a more entertaining, interesting <laughs> ball of But you're treating it like a character, and it's not a character. Yeah. But they it's a plot to make device. it a character, though. Like, it talks and... Yeah, and it's like, oh, you primitive human. Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> like, we're so much better. It's, it's also the just worst design. Like it, it drives me. It looks like something out of a Douglas Adams novel. It's like it Marvin's head. It's it I is Marvin's head every freaking it time. Like exactly you can't be serious. That this head. is like the other big bad in the universe. That because again, also a cool idea. These the, the aliens from the first movie have been doing this everywhere, and the rest of the universe is like trying to fight them. Cool idea. That they blow. <laughs> it just suck at it. I don't. Know. Yeah, I don't like the fact that it's basically just a huge coincidence that both our newfound ally alien ship arrives at the same time. Okay, so the, here's my what I inferred from the movie. Because okay. they did not explain this, people. No explanation. My theory is it took that long for the message or the distress signal or whatever to reach the har sure. harvest mother or whatever. Yeah. So the collective conscious aliens also intercepted that signal. And, and then it's a huge coincidence came. that they both happened to arrive at the same time. Yes, because space they're clearly not is near each other. Super fast. That is what happened. The movie, the ball says that I got, oh, your, I got your signal. <laughs> we missed that. Oh no, I, I heard. I remember that part. I that's, did not. That's why she that showed part. up because she got the distress signal from the ship. See, I missed that line, so I just guessed. I'm so smart. <laughs> yeah. No, but again, wherever she was and wherever the queen was, like, they just both they happened to yeah. get there at the same time. Yes. Because really, if that hadn't happened, there wouldn't have been a story, but it should, you know, it would have been, they, she gets here first, you know, the ally, 
and is like, oh, hey, I'm your friend. And we're like, oh, cool. Can you help us out? And then the queen shows up. And then we actually stand a chance. Here's my... Of this contrived... Here's my question. Did the little alien golf ball actually help at all? Only in so far as she was the like, plot device of being the decoy to get the queen to come out of her... Right, but, like... You know, shell or whatever. But the queen... The ship had landed anyway. So, like... Oh, I see what you're saying. Remember, so she flies... So she would not have come out of the giant ship otherwise. Yeah, she her ship detaches from the big ship. I feel like they could have Nevada. come up with some sort of equally ridiculous scenario that would have prompted <laughs> her exit from the ship. Yeah. That would have made more sense. Yeah. Remember how we had, like, a crew of people fighting, like, in the ecosystem in the ship? Yeah. Could have been cool if they did something to drive her out. Yeah. That would have been even better. That's, a, that's another thing that's a cool idea that... Totally Apparently dropped. Mike should have written but every, Yeah, no. <laughs> I did five times over while I was watching it. It is kind of ridiculous how basically the entire movie, everything we throw at them is just like, ha ha, nope. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's not, nope. Here, oh, you have bombs or, you know, whatever. Okay, then um, wrap them in an energy thing. Boom. I, I would like to have seen this been some kind of war, I think. Right. Because yeah. this Instead is the first movie, right? It's, yeah. just, it's just us getting the crap kicked out of us yeah. until Jeff Goldblum comes up with the virus idea. And, it's, and that works great for the first movie. Right. If, if we like There's to... There's a Hail Mary in the first movie. If we've integrated the technology, couldn't we be on, like, somewhat... Equal, like, couldn't this be, like, kind of a hard fight? Yeah. Especially if we've snuck onto their ship and stolen some well, of their guns. If we have their technology, you'd think that we would be, like, starting to colonize other planets with it or something. Mm -hmm. you know? Or we'd have... We'd have bases we have, out, we have a base you know, on Saturn. Saturn. We exactly. have a base on Saturn. We did. Okay. Well, and it just, cool idea. boom, it's gone. <laughs> isn't oh, what happened to it? Yeah, no, yeah. that's what should the, right, not, on not, the, moons not the ship Saturn, coming to the moon. Saturn it should have been the ship showing up at Saturn and then being like, what's <clears> that? <throat> you know? Yeah. <sighs> so we wish there was a Clone Wars equivalent of Independence no, Day. This, <laughs> and, and that brings up an interesting point. Because I kind of wonder... If more franchises shouldn't try to do that, where they should say, hey, we have a really cool world, what else could be going on in this world? Yeah. Which, I mean, honestly, that's what they've done with Star Wars. Like... Right. With all the kind of things. Which is probably why it's so successful. And, I mean, they did it a little bit with Harry Potter, too. Like, oh, right. here's this world. Exactly. What's going on here? Why not do that with more of these movies? Why make a direct sequel? Oh, bring everyone back, you know, that will come, except, you know, oh, these guys won't be in it, so uh, whatever. <laughs> you know, I guess their characters are dead. So bring these guys back. No, like, why not have a movie where it is centered on, you know, these this militia in Africa basically defending their homeland. And then other stuff can happen. I mean, that doesn't have to be the whole movie. Yeah. But that could be a really cool subplot instead of just an excuse to introduce one character who really doesn't And do another much. franchise where that kind of works is, even though it's technically not a linear franchise, is Cloverfield. So they did that with the original movie, and then with 10 Cloverfield Lane, it's technically still the whole monster invasion, whatever thing. They didn't realize it till the end. And then Spoilers, the third gosh. one, people didn't really like, but it explains why there's a thing in the, the first Cloverfield movie. The Cloverfield Paradox. Yes. <laughs> I've seen the first of those movies, so. 
The original one is great. Like, I would recommend anybody watch that movie. Ten is also awesome. <laughs> yes, Ten, Cloverfield Lane is... With John Goodman. Yeah. Will forever so, so alter your perception of John Goodman. <laughs> no, John Goodman is really good. And I love Mary He's Elizabeth Winstead in anything she does. Yeah. Like, she was the saving grace of Final Destination 3. Like, she's the only thing that she made loves, that movie watchable. She loves the Final Destination movies. <laughs> you don't understand so you know. how much I love those movies. Yes. <laughs> but my other question then, I guess, is... In the world of sequels that are not as great as the first movie, there's plenty of them around, but they're... How, how not as great are we talking? Are we talking about this, where it's like... No, we're going to... Hold on. Good I'm movie get to there. garbage movie, or are we talking about I'm like... I'm going to get there. Slight st- okay. So, there are some sequels that hardcore fans of the first movie refuse to say exists. Example, The Matrix. No one likes to admit that there were two other movies. I mean, jokingly, right? Obviously. No, some people are, some like, people are legitimately joking. serious. <laughs> I joke. I mean, I'm just like, I, I'm like, they didn't make any sequels. What are you talking yeah, about? No, you some know, people are 100% I definitely saw serious about that. So, <laughs> does Independence Day Resurgence fall into that group? Is it so bad it so should not exist? speaking of The Matrix, here's the weird thing about, if you were to compare The Matrix and Independence Day... The Matrix is probably a more culturally defining, transcendent movie, but Independence Day might be a better movie. Than The Matrix? And I only say that because I think The Matrix, I don't want to, I'm not saying it's overrated. I'm saying that I think it was amazing when it came out, like, it was like, whoa, it was the kind of, you know, it had all these cool new special effects. It had this cool sci-fi story. It was very... You know, very fresh and original. But now that all the stuff in it has been copied so much, it doesn't. It kind of loses some of that originality, and so it kind of is down a couple of notches because of that. I think. So that's why I say, culturally, like that was a defining move. Like if you had to, if you had a movie hall of fame, like kind of your list is mm. kind of like that. The Matrix is. Said, the Matrix is. Oh, it definitely <laughs> is. And in, I, I had a great episode. Said, I could refer you to. <laughs> right. You know. If you look at a Hall of Fame, it's like, how do you tell the story of, like, the history of films without this film? The Matrix is definitely one of those right. films. But the way you kind of say Independence Day is almost an accidental masterpiece. Like, Independence Day is probably a more fun, like, what a movie should be. I also like feel like it, it holds up better, too. Like, I feel like looking at The Matrix and watching it later, it doesn't feel as... Like, CGI-wise and just the sheer look of it, it doesn't look as great as Independence Day does. Let me clarify what I'm saying. And I'll use this mic. So, in my opinion, the greatest movie ever made is Raiders of the Lost Ark. Dude, me too! Sweet. (laughs) And part of that is because Raiders of the Lost Ark is, like, the exemplary, like, paradigm of escapist, adventure, fantasy, fun movie like you just you want to go see a movie because you just want to have fun escape from your life and just be wowed you know what i mean it doesn't have the same weight as like the godfather or you know the same drama and like you know love tension as like casablanca or whatever and it's certainly not as like well probably directed and like cinematographically like transcendent as like Lawrence of Arabia but it's still it's just like the perfect movie you know like and so that's why I say like I feel like the matrix is kind of in that camp of like you respect the filmmaking of it 
But I think Independence Day is closer to the, it's just like that fun, escapist movie that you just want to watch. And it is, I mean, it kind of is the, the archetypal summer popcorn movie blockbuster from at least its generation. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so that was a weird tangent to go off on. But I guess because of that, the Matrix sequels are maybe offensive in a different way than like a sequel to this movie is offensive. Because with those, the Matrix was trying to be deep. Independence Day was not trying to be deep. And so the sequels for The Matrix, like, are worse crime because they kind of <laughs> undermine a lot of that philosophical depth of the, of the Matrix. Whereas this one is just stupid because it's just, you know, you're just trying to ride kind of the coattails of the, your success. And one of the things critics did originally say about Independence Day when it came out was like... The original in those. Yeah. Okay. Like, this is not... It's not a great movie, but it's, like, a big spectacle, yeah. like, entertaining movie. Mm -hmm. And I think critics a lot of the time tend to kind of crap on those movies that are just trying to be entertaining and make a lot of money in the summer. Um, but I think Independence Day kind of surprised people with, like, how much they either liked the characters or, um, you know, how much the story kind of stuck with them. I mean, everybody still quotes that Bill Pullman speech from <laughs> the first movie mm -hmm. 20 years later. But movies like The Matrix were just, yeah, so it's like a new, more exciting, more, I think, critically acclaimed thing because it was so, it wasn't just trying to be a big summer blockbuster. It was trying to do something innovative. Speaking of quotes, yeah, it bothered me in this movie how, I think it was Dylan, was like, basically just hijacked Will Smith's line but you know, that's what I call a close encounter, right? In the first one. Yeah. And he's like, how's this for a close encounter? And I was like, really? It's the family model. <laughs> really, apparently. It's done. It's okay. <laughs> uh, we're also very confused about that relationship because we were like, I thought he was like his stepdad he is a step or something. But then they're like, no, he's his father. No, he's like, a did they retcon this? Like, what, no. is, what is this? <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. It's fine. Um, so how much did you hate this movie, Mike? That's I, my question I, to you. I really hate it a lot. <laughs> um, in, in case you couldn't tell, it's, I, I apologize if I've gone overboard. No, but no. Like you'd mentioned, Jonathan, like I don't get to talk about bad, bad movies, movies a lot. Enough. Yeah. And I, Whereas that's all. You don't get to just, just try to find the redeeming problem yeah. in these movies. I, I feel very deeply about movies, but most of the ones that I come to, even if like I don't like them, I still am always like, I admit like, some of this is over my head, like, this isn't for me, and so it's not yeah. often I get to talk about a movie like Independence Day Resurgence that I just think is garbage and <laughs> so superior to. I don't know that I'd jump on board with, like, oh, this, like, shouldn't exist. I, As impassioned as I get, I don't believe in, like, that kind of entitlement of, like, you ruined my childhood, or, you know, this shouldn't exist. Like, it does exist, and it's just a movie, like, don't let it ruin your life. You can you can scream about it for half an hour in this lovely living room, but, like, <laughs> don't let it ruin your life. Yeah, and, and that's honestly, like... The first time I saw Independence Day Resurgence was in preparation a year ago for our episode on the first one. I totally forgot about it until I knew I was coming <laughs> out of this show. I watched it again and Wait, was like, oh I've yeah. I've seen this before. I was like, oh my gosh, this. So it was so bad you blocked it out of your memory. <laughs> yeah, which, so that's that's kind of where I'm coming from. It's like, it, it sucks. Everything about it is bad. And apparently very forgettable. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, just, that's heartwarming just move on. One of the things I will say, too, is like, even me with my garbage taste in movies... I, like, 
so I had seen it before. Jonathan hadn't seen it at all. And he was asking me questions kind of in the beginning. And I was like, I don't remember. <laughs> like, even I had kind of forgotten some Didn't of the Didn't come out that long ago. And, uh, yeah, I mean, even for me, it was pretty forgettable. But I, there were enough little things that I enjoyed that I didn't hate watching it. Would you watch it again? I have watched it no. multiple times. <laughs> would you watch um, it again multiple times? Would you double feature this? Ugh, no, I would not. Because it's such a letdown. Like, I feel like if you watch the first one and then you watch this, you would just, like, it would just leave a bad taste yeah. in your mouth. Yeah. So I would not recommend doing that. Because <laughs> like you said, if it's so much the same thing, the first one shows you, like, this is how you make that work. Yeah. <laughs> to immediately go... And to compare it to, like, another sequel series that did not do as well as the originals, like, it, have you seen the Alien vs. Predator movies? Sure have. So, I think... <laughs> are you, <laughs> let's talk are you, about them. Are you glad that you've seen them, or...? So, I believe they are both on our list. I'm not positive. But I love those movies. I don't love the second one as much, but I still like it. And I think what it did much better than this is it stays, like, so true to itself. Like, it doesn't try to do something bigger and crazier. Because with this one, literally, it's like... It starts off directly after the second one. Or, sorry, the first one. And, okay, it does go a little bit bigger and crazier because Turn there's a Predalien. Okay. <laughs> Have you not seen it? No. Oh, my gosh, how are I've you seen, married to me? I've seen the first... You made me watch okay, the first one. Okay, so, at I the end of the first one... You watched the better one. Okay, <laughs> at the end of the first one, they load the dead predator onto the predator ship, leave poor Sanaa Lathan off in Antarctica by herself, and fly away. While they're flying away, they're still over Earth, and um, it turns out the alien laid an egg, or sorry, the face hugger laid an egg in the predator. So now out hatches a pred-alien, which is a hybrid of the predator and the alien, and it attacks the ship. The ship crash lands in Colorado, and then um, it kills a whole bunch of people. And I'm sorry, is this the beginning of the second yeah. movie? Second movie, yeah. Okay. <laughs> So this is picking up where the first one ended. Where exactly you think it's leaving, where the first it, it, one it left turns off. Turns out it's not. Yes. Okay. So it's bigger in the sense that there's a predalien, but it's smaller in the fact that it's literally so just a bunch, like a town, trying to survive yeah. this onslaught of death. <laughs> is the predalien more alien than predator? Like, is it just a mindless killing mm. machine? Or? So it's, I don't know if you'll be able to tell. The whole movie is so freaking dark; you can't see anything. It's true. It is. <laughs> it's like it's like the new season of Game of Thrones. Like it's super dark. <laughs> Um, but so it has, you, this isn't video, but you have like the predator goes like this, you know, so it does that, but then the little alien mouth shoots out oh. like the, like the, Oh, you still haven't seen Blade Trinity. Damn it. Mm. He hasn't seen Blade Trinity. So he I doesn't know about Blade the vampires film. that go like this. Isn't that Blade 2? But Blade Trinity, yeah. they, oh, nice. Blade Trinity has the vampire. I would just like to point out that cool. basically no matter what the egg gets laid in, everything always just ends up being an alien. Like. The, it's the, mostly the Xeno, Xenomorph, whatever. Yeah. Which we have now learned from Prometheus and Alien Covenant that now this whole thing doesn't make sense because it only becomes the Xenomorph alien say. that we know. You don't in, say. In a human. <laughs> what? What? Dang it. The future is now the past and it doesn't make any sense. This is 
is another problem with sequels. You really, a lot of times, have to retcon stuff and just, you know, like, oh, like, we left it like that. Okay, there was a race that? of humans that were super advanced and went off into space. We're talking about Prometheus This now? has to be Prometheus okay. and Alien Covenant because then later there's humans on oh. Earth who encounter aliens in, like, 2000-whatever. But that's still the Whalen Corp. Damn it. No. Maybe they just, in the alien... The entire alien franchise is The alien franchise order. is ruined. Do they consider Alien vs. Predator part of that? Or is this like, no, this is a separate no, thing? No, they, they, so. they kind of try to keep their distance from that. Yeah, okay. The canon does not know. work. Ridley Scott really doesn't <laughs> care what anyone else thinks, so... That's true. He does like to just kind of do his own thing. Aren't they making another one of the Covenant Prometheus He says movies? he can do five more if... That's what people want. That's my question about people like Ridley Scott, Michael Bay, now Roland Emmerich. Like, it seems like they have enough money that they can't just do what they want. Like One of those things is not like the other two. <laughs> well, I'd just like to point out. Which one? <laughs> Rid Ridley Scott. <laughs> not in the same I was going to leave it a guessing game. <laughs> Ridley Scott has his fair share of garbage. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. M. Night Shyamalan still makes movies. So... Quite okay. honestly, no, no, no. I'm have just saying. Have you seen the visit? It's not that okay. hard. I have a question for you. To get money, and make a movie. That's one well, I mean, they have. If you if you have that name brand recognition. Mm -hmm. Okay, he has not seen the visit. Okay, I have seen the visit. Some of his coworkers believe the visit is a comedy. No, no. <laughs> this. That's what I'm this saying. This BS thing that like there's a cut that's horror and there's another cut that's comedy. I thought they were insane. Is, that's nonsense. I was like, this movie is terrifying. <laughs> There's nothing funny about it. No, I'm I, glad you're on my. I screen. don't subscribe to that theory. I think See, it's, people I think who it's know a marketing film thing. So no, it's not a comedy. I'm curious Tell your coworkers now. they're dumb. Okay, I'm curious now. And I, Tell them I sent you. I assume a lot of this is going to get cut. Tell out. them. Now we're just kind None of, of it's getting out. cut. It's all staying. <laughs> <in>. <laughs> this is why so I'm you have some interesting facial expressions when we bring up the Alien franchise. The Prometheus franchise. Yeah, that that yes that part of the Alien. Also, apparently How? people hate Resurrection. Like, what? I like Resurrection more than three. Nice. I'm okay, that is a that hashtag hot take right there. <laughs> is it? Is it, though? Is it? I don't personally have that a horse in the alien race. Alien 3 is a dog alien. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's faster. Yes. Because dogs. Because <laughs> dogs. Okay. Your thoughts on Prometheus and Covenant? I hate them. You hate them. Hate okay, them. that's kind of what I figured. Based on your facial, you're squirming in the seat. You're just like. I didn't uh, like Prometheus, <laughs> but I liked Covenant more. Well, Covenant, Covenant was literally just up front. Yeah. Covenant was them getting back to their roots of let's basically make the first movie again. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so here's my my backup, and I'll just say it because I know it's gonna get cut. I, oh, it's not getting. Cut. I have. <laughs> I have this kind of complicated relationship with Ridley Scott because. I think he's a really talented guy, but I think he's overrated. I think he's a great visualist. I don't think he's a great as great a storyteller as he's given credit for. Um, no denying Alien is amazing. Blade Runner is a movie I like, don't love as much as everybody else, but we did it on the show. I had like mostly positive things to say for, about for it. For the record, I don't. She like hates Blade Runner. Runner. I love Blade Runner. Right. Go on. So those, you know, uh, you got. I like Thelma and Louise. You got Black Hawk Down. Like the dude has a lot of like really great movies, um, but he. he He's got like this George Lucas syndrome where I think people are kind of afraid to oh, shut no. him down or tell him like this is stupid. Instead, we're like the Michael Fassbender is 
playing the flute for Michael Fassbender and look at the Freudian sexual undertones in it. And it's because like, well, the first alien had all this sexual imagery. So that, that means covenant is, is back on track as a masterpiece. It's, it's a drawn out nonsense garbage movie. It's a love letter to this character that is undoubtedly the best part of Prometheus, but like the logistics of it. And like the, the very reason, like why does this even exist beyond just making money? Because no one wants to know where the derelict ship comes from that's, an alien kind of the thing, cool thing yeah. about alien is like where did what happened on this giant ship where's the crew why are there all these eggs down here you know if everybody loves this thing in science fiction that asks more questions right then it answers why all of a sudden I mean, this prequel's a great idea it's like how basically and i'm not i mean setting aside the the quality of them just the fact that they made the star wars prequels at all mm. definitely takes away some of the mystique right. and the mystery right. and the you know <laughs> drama con intention concerning Darth Vader's character sure. in the original Star Wars and so yeah you definitely get to the point where you it's, keep telling more and more story and you're like you know you're really kind of making it worse it's it's hard to do a good <laughs> prequel it's really really hard have there been any good prequels um we define are we defining prequels as movies that came, like, right before, or movie? Because obviously there have been so, really successful ones where they're like, hey, let's do the same world, but, like, a thousand years ago, or, you know, a hundred years ago, or whatever. I think that still counts. No, yeah. well, that's fine. In that case, I think that's better, because you're not ruining those characters. I mean, you could argue that half of The Godfather 2 is a prequel. Basically. Yeah. Um... I really like Monsters University. I, think I love Monsters I, I was listening to your guys' uh, show. I was like, that's obviously their most underrated movie. I tweeted today that I liked Monsters University more than Monsters, Inc. I think I'm with and you. And someone thought I was insane. Oh, yeah. I don't remember <laughs> who it was. I want to say it was like cinematically correct. They were like, what? Well, Monsters University is great because yeah. it's basically like... And it's funny because referencing what we talked about on our Cars 2 podcast, how... It almost seemed like some of the filmmakers were like, let's make a James Bond film. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, yeah, this yeah. was them being like, let's make like an Animal House style comedy. Yeah. I mean, and it's obvious. It's not like that's a, you know, fresh take or something. But I really kind of wonder if some of those guys at Pixar and gals are really just kind of like, you know, we kind of have carte blanche to you know make what? whatever we want. Let's just make fun, like right. gen weird genres I've of stuff it. that, you know. You're going to agree with this. The Rise of the Planet of the Apes movies. Were better. You're you're gonna say that they're better than the better than the original Planet of the Apes movies. I mean, then I mean definitely better than the Mark Wahlberg Planet of the Apes movie. <laughs> but yeah, I think you might think they're better than the original. Yeah. Planet then you of the get into movies. like the reboot. Oh, I guess there's still prequels. I mean, that's that's and hard. I guess the Star Trek prequel, the new um, Star Trek movies. Yeah, those and uh, Good, the Bad, and the Ugly is also a prequel. Oh yeah, really even though it doesn't. Doesn't have to be. It doesn't, but he gets the poncho. No, I know, but at the same time, that's kind of a grasping oh, straws there, you know. This is a total sidebar, but speaking of prequels, we are debating what order we should show our children the Star Wars movies in. Hmm. What do you think? I thought about this a lot. <laughs> I I would go originals. Just I I would go yes, in the order they're released. Really, honestly, interesting. Just because. I, again, I don't like to get, like, super entitled about the prequels. Like, you're in my childhood. Like, I don't like them. There's things in them that are good or whatever. My biggest fear is, like, if you show those first, if you go episodic order, episode one is Star Wars. Right. And then all of a sudden A New Hope 
why did why did the graphics get worse? Why is this yeah, not like that's true. why is this not like as busy and big as that's not Star Wars? Yeah. And then you know the, all of a sudden the best Star Wars movies don't really stand a chance. So I say mm. start with those. Say these are what came out, and then we'll go back to one through three, and then yeah. we can go back through seven through nine. Well, our kids had never seen the cartoon version of Aladdin, and we took them to see the new one. Uh-huh. And then they wanted to. They were like, "Can we watch Aladdin?" And I was like, "Well, we don't have the new movie, but we can watch the cartoon version." Mm-hmm. And they liked it just fine. But I'm curious. And now we watch Mr. Rogers, which you know, like super awesome. old graphics. Awesome. <laughs> their favorite show right now. He's so I don't know if they'd have as much of a problem with the There's also like graphics. There's a bunch of like fans that have made basically like an underground version of Star Wars, the Star Wars trilogy, where they basically have ported it to like 4K or 8K or something mm-hmm. and like remastered it, kind mm-hmm. of in their as a hobby. Nice. I mean, I don't think it's a legitimate. But isn't it like those it. people that cut um, the Hobbit into one movie? Yeah, might or... be. I don't know. Yeah, isn't like Joseph, Joseph Gordon Levitt do that with like, some trilogy? I swear. I think it was the Hobbit. No, Topher Grace did it with something. Oh yeah, yeah. One of some trilogy. Okay. He was like, "I'm cutting it, making it one movie." Into one movie. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's on YouTube. I don't know. <laughs> I, th- I think I remember seeing something about yeah. that. Yeah. But I don't know. I'm just curious because, like, I'm like, I think we should just do it like in the actual story order. But he agrees with you. He thinks we should. Do I mean, it, on like, the one hand, theatrical, and you might be onto order. something. Like, maybe I need to give kids more credit. I just assume the worst about. Yeah, I think they. <laughs> Most fine. of them are dicks. <laughs> the, thing, the thing too is how, are... <laughs> how old is somebody going to be? Because a, an eight year old watching it is not going to be like, what he was his father. I mean, yeah, there are the YouTube videos. Spoilers! Jeez! Whatever, it's been four <laughs> years. That, that blew my mind. <laughs> right, and so, you know, that won't have the same depth if you right. already know that going in, but at the same time, like, if you're 20 and that hits you versus if you're 8, it's a lot different. Yeah. A 20-year-old's gonna be like, what? Yeah, you know? when, I, when I first saw... I don't remember when I first saw the Star Wars movies. All I remember was loving Ewoks and wishing there were more of them. <laughs> so according to How I Met Your Mother, you know were, how old I am. You were somewhat younger. Yeah. <laughs> um, I never liked Ewoks. And I saw Return of the Jedi when um, I was probably like six or seven years suck. old. So, no, I, I'm apparently just, I've always been an old man. <laughs> Honestly, I wonder if it's like a girl thing. Like girls think like they're them. cute. No, I liked them. They were my height and they were cool. Like, <laughs> speed of bikes. Yes, that's true. Yeah, they, they just, cool I don't know. It's like the same reason, I, I would never understand why somebody would think that a pet monkey is cute. I'm like, oh, that's just, yeah. good, you know. No, I thought pet yeah. monkeys were cute, and then my dad explained that one of his frat brothers in college had a pet monkey, and all they do is throw poop everywhere. Cool. So, cool. yeah. They wouldn't want it. <laughs> would not want it. So, to go back to <laughs> Independence Day, before we got on our Aliens Star Wars tangent. Yeah, I don't remember how this started. Like so you don't wish you hadn't watched it, but, so you didn't enjoy any minute of watching this movie. No, it just makes me angry. <laughs> I, in, in case listeners can't tell, like, My the, case there's, the, there's the nugget of a good idea every couple of minutes and then it just drops the ball and makes me upset. John, Hard did place. I enjoy any part of this movie? <laughs> no. I didn't hate this movie. I'm basically indifferent. It was just on, and I was like, okay, I'm watching it. I mean, it's no different. Than, if you watch a movie that you don't want to watch because you're, you know, 
friend or spouse or whatever or kid is like, oh, uh, that's yeah, I exactly. Watch like, so many oh, I have to watch movies. this, you know, like stupid kids movie. Like, I don't hate My Little Pony, but I'm not going to be, you know, I don't like it. And it's like, if my daughter's watching it and I'm sitting there reading Reddit, fine. If it's on, <laughs> whatever. I'm not a brony, you know. <laughs> sure. Don't care about the mythos of the Equestria or whatever, you know. I always I ask know. her. I'm like, so why do some have wings and some don't? And she doesn't know yet, so. Well, she's five. Guess we're so. not that we're that far <laughs> in the story. It just babbles. Is there a reason? I don't know. That's okay. the point. I have no idea. And then I know why me, some don't have marks and some do have marks. I don't know that. It's, I was not there that day. <laughs> the cutie marks. Yeah. I know they're called that. Um, How about you? Honestly, you know, as someone who likes garbage movies, I found enough in this movie to enjoy. Of course you did. <laughs> I, you know, I'm not going to recommend other people watch it because I know that my taste is terrible, which is why my film major in film aesthetics and criticism did not lead to a career <laughs> as a film critic. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's fun enough and I, but I still would not recommend you watch it, especially in context of okay. the first movie. Okay. Here's my other question. If the first movie did not exist and this was just a movie by itself. Would that change your answers? No, still really forgettable, just <laughs> still loud, forgettable. dumb blockbuster yeah. with, okay. with no, like, genius undercurrent like the first one has. This movie is basically on par with Geostorm. That's true. I did not like Geostorm, which Was made me sad, because I no, love disaster movies. No, but it has, like, all the signifiers, okay. right? Yeah. I love disaster I'll, movies. I'll fact check you. Okay. So much. Please do. But I hated Geostorm, because... I mean, you know, we've talked about this in that episode, but the thing that makes those types of movies great is the interpersonal relationships. And Geostorm you care about no the characters. Geostorm had none of characters. that. And I feel like this movie, the Independence Day Resurgence, had like a shred of that. Between who? I kind of, I mean, obviously I mentioned I cared about the relationship between Brent Spiner and his pseudo-lover friend. Yes! Geostorm thing. was a Dean Devlin film. There you go. So, again, <laughs> yes. This, I mean, man, he's like the patron saint of One Star Bazaar. Yes, he Dean is. Like, <laughs> That's why there's he, a <laughs> Just have a poster of Dean Devlin. He's great <laughs> for making bad films. I don't think there was really very much chemistry be between some of the characters, other than, I mean, definitely no like love chemistry. It's I mean, even with Liam Hemsworth, who is good at play. I mean, I've seen movies of his where he's good at feigning love. He's being the love interest. Being the yeah, love the... interest. But in this movie, he and the girl who played the daughters. And no, there was nothing. First there. of all, first in the movie, I thought her name was Betty. Then I thought it was Patty. Then I thought it was something else. But it turns out it's Maddie. I don't, Matt, I, I don't know. Do I know call what? her Munchkin. <laughs> it's true. Munchkin was what she was in the first one. That's right. But yeah, I don't. I don't. I still don't even know what her name was. They had zero chemistry. Granted, they had like very right. few scenes. They had together. the forced chemistry of oh, oh no, my boyfriend might be. I think he's dead because the moon base blew up. No, like that's not even chemistry. Like, she's like standing by her father's hospital bed. Right. And like. Liam Hemsworth comes in for like two seconds and like holds her hand and is like, come find me? When did that happen? After the briefing? And it's like... I don't remember this at I don't all. Either. I don't either, actually. It was literally... So like much of this movie I don't remember. 
We watched it two days <laughs> ago. No. In 24 hours, it's already seeping <laughs> it's out. It's just gone. We didn't explain this. Yeah, they did. When? <laughs> she, there was more chemistry between her and Bill Pullman. Yes. Like, as her father, I mean, I think. Yeah. It, How much of that is just Bill Pullman? I think, I think that's yeah. Bill Pullman. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I thought it was funny when... He's like, know, I'm not saving like, the world. I'm saving you. When, when she's like... Don't let my dad get in the plane because she thinks she's gonna somehow, like, be the one still to like do the sa the sacrificial bombing run. I'm like, I'm my sorry, lady. My fiance is dead on the on the mothership. I'm oh, gonna go no, die she now. Knew he was, or, no, I, no, she thought, okay, he, she was thought dead. he was dead. Whatever. I'm like, lady. In no world is any father who has the capability as an ex fighter pilot. Right. In no world is any father going to ever let his young daughter, who, you know, of who still has her whole life ahead of her, and he has medical problems. I mean, he's cuckoo bananas. She's crazy if, if <laughs> she thinks that he's not getting in that plane. Like, And isn't, like, the AIDS response to, like, when she finds out Bill Pullman's getting in the plane, like, sorry. <laughs> yes. He made me promise, yeah. like, <laughs> as a friend. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, uh, so dumb. But I still liked it. The don't watch it. The, like so <laughs> Liam Hemsworth's sidekick. Yes. Did Very he know you guys? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. I'm, and, I'm and glad we're on the same page there. He's purposefully there because hey, in Independence Day, Will Smith had like this loudmouth, woman obsessed right. guy. Uh, what oh, if Liam Hemsworth had a guy that. like that? Uh, I can't but then again, why? This goes back to what I was saying. There's too many characters. Why did we need to have Will Smith's character be split into two characters, and now we have Liam Hemsworth and Will Smith's stepson? You know, right? I mean, they're both serving kind of the similar purposes. Yeah. I thought he was there to die. Oh. So I got like, really upset when he when he left. When everybody like, again, left. this this section where they're stranded in the ship and the aliens are hunting them through the ecosystem, I'm like. Here we go. Cool idea. Cool sequence. Like, we haven't seen yeah. a land battle. It and then they pops and then they up leave. out of nowhere. Yeah, and, and then, then he's okay. Died off screen. I was like, yeah. Says. Where's his sacrifice to get them out of the ship or something? And then, should we kiss? Let's have dinner first. Like, Ooh. what? Ooh, yeah. Friends. What? <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought that was her being like, yeah, but like, let's go on a date. No, I mean, I it like was. You. It was, but it's not still, like. It's like Get away from me, weirdo. <laughs> yeah. Oh, jeez. Any final thoughts about Independence Day Resurgence for the people? Mike will not recommend this movie. He hates it with every fiber of his being. Every fiber. Jonathan hates it, but doesn't wish he never watched it. Oh. We'll never no. watch it again. I'll never watch it again. <laughs> I don't know if I would... I wouldn't recommend it to people, but if somebody was like, I think I'm going to watch it, I wouldn't be like, no, don't! You know? <laughs> I would just be like... It's not very good. And they'd be like, yeah, that's okay. I kind of want closure. And I'd be like, oh, okay. No, you won't get it. <laughs> but whatever. You won't get no closure. <laughs> All right, Mike. Go ahead and plug your Twitter website. Oh, we, uh, everything is just Cinemust. So it's spelled C-I-N-E-M-U-S-T-S. -E so wherever you're at in social media, Cinemust.com is our website. We're the only name in town that is cinema. We pretty purposefully <laughs> pick something that no one in their right mind would go after. It's great, though. I mean, it perfectly encapsulates your idea. It's great. Thank you. I'm a fan. <laughs> thank you very much. All right, and, and thank yeah. you so much for coming. 
to join us today. It was my great pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on a very special 4th of July episode. Yes, happy 4th of July, everyone. Next week, we will be watching Winchester, <laughs> which Ooh. features more Oscar winner awesomeness in a Razzie-nominated performance. <laughs> they just can't stay away. They really can't. <laughs> so join us next week.